Hello, and welcome to the Harrisburg Brethren in Christ sermon series. Yasas, Kalos Irthates do Harrisburg Adelfuse Cristo, where our vision is to be a thriving, diverse urban church, sharing Christ's love and serving the needs of our local and global communities. Here's an example of what you'll hear. If God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, he's powerful enough to break these chains of addiction on me. He's powerful enough to break the generational curses in my family. He is powerful enough to stop the senseless violence in Harrisburg. I'm telling you this morning the incredible truth that Jesus Christ is crazy about you. Helping each other to experience God's love, God's power, God's healing. Helping to change one another's lives. Church can continue to be a place, or church can continue to become a people, my people. Let's pray. And now, here's this week's sermon. I hope that it speaks to your heart. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Amen. Today, um, we are reading an obscure passage of scripture uh, from John (laughs) 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Again, uh, we were really looking forward to our mission speaker. Uh, She had a powerful, powerful testimony. And when she needed to go to be with her very ill father, it, uh, it threw us for a loop because we are so used to things running like clockwork around here that we, we have a hard time adjusting. So, uh, Pastor Linda and I got together, and um, uh, this is what uh, we thought we uh, would share with you this morning. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God came for us because we were hopelessly lost if he didn't. He didn't come to give us a sentimental holiday called Christmas. He came to save us from our sin and our brokenness. He didn't come because we needed more time off from work or six-pack abs or a nicer car. He came because we as a species were perishing without him. He came because if he didn't come, we were up a creek without a paddle. He came because we couldn't find him or the answer to life's questions on our own. We were hopelessly lost. Light came to darkness. Salvation came to the undeserving. Hope came to the hopeless. Love came to this earth. All we really have to offer this world is what Jesus is and the grace he brings. 
We so often treat the gospel as if it's a commodity to be advertised and promoted. It is far more. Jesus came to bring eternal life. Life with God. Life with Jesus. Life in the Spirit. Heaven life spilling into this world and into our hearts. Because only one thing can fill a bottomless human soul. The human soul hungers for infinite love and God life. Your spirit can only be filled by the Spirit of God, not achievements or diplomas or material stuff. Your lungs were made for one thing, oxygen, not 10W40 motor oil. Your stomach was made for edible food, not tennis shoes. Your soul was made for one thing, the love of God made real by the Holy Spirit. Only spirit can satisfy spirit. Only pure, limitless, boundless love can satisfy something created expressly for such love. We were made in God's image, and only God can complete what we were made for. When the world is without God and His Son, it is perishing. It is starving to death because it is not eating living bread. It is dying of thirst without living water. God did not come to condemn the world. The world is simply starving and dying of thirst without him already. Our job is to share the truth that God came and is still coming for us. We who are fed must share bread. We who are loved must point to the source of love. There still remains thousands of people groups who are without the good news in this world. There are billions still dying of spiritual malnutrition. So we pray and we give and we send people to the lost and the broken and those cut off from the source of what their soul hungers for. Love demands no less. We call these folks missionaries who we send out from among us into the world. We have sent them all over this planet from this congregation. We celebrate what God is doing through them. It is part of our spiritual DNA as a church. God has done this thing. We celebrate the stories Pastor Linda is now going to share with you. So we invited our missionaries to help us with the message this morning, and we received more stories from them than can fit in one message. Um, so I'll be sharing a number of them. Jen and Hona Cordova, who work in Bible translation among the Zapotec people of Oaxaca, and who send blessings and greetings to the church from their family, tell of a time earlier this year when there was a tragic accident in the village of San Francisco Ozolotepec, where they minister. Fruit could be seen from the, their work of Bible translation, the work of Jen and Hona and Luis and the other translators. A father was returning to town in his truck with some of his children. And they're in a, a very um, high mountainous region with, with steep, steep um, hills and roads. And on the final steep descent into town, the truck's brakes failed, causing the truck to impact a large building. And this man's six-year-old son was killed. This is a family of believers, and the church supported them through their grief. Many people of the community went to visit the child's family and could hear God's word in their own language. When a church service was held to remember the boy's life, many people who aren't believers attended. Since God's word was preached in Zapotec at that service by one of the Zapotec translators, 
many people were able to really understand God's message and seemed to enjoy hearing God's word. Sometime later, a woman that had recently begun attending church uh, had recently begun attending church told Jen that her husband hadn't allowed her or her children to attend church before. But the day of the burial and service for that child, her husband heard the word of God preached, and when they got home, he had given her permission to go with their children to church. God is working through the Bible translation work of the Cordovas in Mexico. He's also working in India. Karen Diley tells of how a little Hindu girl discovered power in the name of Jesus. Most of the children, Karen said, that we work with come from Hindu or Muslim families. Our Kids Up programs always have a Bible story, singing, prayer, an activity, and a snack. With up to 40 children ages 4 to 14, these kids come on their own, often walking long distances. For the singing time, the leaders use three languages to teach action songs about Jesus and God's love and about Bible characters. In one song, prayer is like making a telephone call to Jesus. In another song, the kids show their muscles and sing about Jesus power, superpower. Often, before praying, we tell the kids that they can share a problem needing prayer or say how Jesus is helping them. One time, a little girl stood up and said that she had always been scared at night when she went outside to go to the bathroom, that she would see ghosts and feel afraid. But she was excited to tell that she tried singing a Jesus song when she went out in the dark, and she didn't see any ghosts that time. And the next night, the same thing. With a big smile on her face, she told the other children that using Jesus' name gives her power to not be afraid. Dan and Karen's ministry in India is not just to children, but praise God that it does include children as part of it. And as Dan and Karen and the others in their churches in Western India make disciples and teach people, pray that many others, both young and old, will experience Jesus' power and love. This summer, a couple who serves in the Middle East was, was home here with us and they shared that they had moved into a new house in a new neighborhood and asked for prayer that they might get to know the neighbors. Perhaps you remember that. Shortly after arriving back from their summer travels, there was a religious holiday. After checking with a number of local people, they found out that the local customs regarding times to visit and arranged to visit their landlord and family who lived next door. They said, we were so thankful to be able to visit as a family. At the landlord's house, the men and women visit in separate, in separate rooms. We were treated to the local dish, harissa, which is a bit like oatmeal with chicken in it. The wife got to meet the two youngest daughters who are both starting college this year, as well as a daughter-in-law. And for several weeks after this, the landlady faithfully sent food over to their home dates, rice, and meat, cookies, and other food. Well, the local custom is to return the plate with food on it. So they returned brownies and cupcakes, quinoa, and other foods. The landlady did assure them at some point that they didn't need to return food every time. That was a relief, they said. They longed to see this family desire something more in life, to see and know the truth. And as they thought about this story and their own desires, they were asking for a deepening relationship and creativity for them to have more interaction. 
However, they said what is really needed is for hearts to change. And yes, that is often impacted by relationships with believers, but the relationships are not the goal. Opportunities to share are the goal. May we have greater boldness so that visits and exchanging food go beyond just being generous. Let's continue to pray for them. Several of our missionaries work among college and university students, building relationships and sharing the gospel with them. Jesse Stoll serves right here in our region, leading InterVarsity Christian Fellowship's campus ministry at Penn State Harrisburg. And Dan and Becky Miller serve among students in State College and beyond through their work with disciple makers. Working in campus ministry is so significant. All of them have countless stories of young adults hearing the gospel, studying the scriptures, building relationships, and finding the very thing they've hungered for, the love of God through Christ. And while this is happening here in the U.S. among students, it's also happening high in the Himalaya mountains among students in one of the least reached people groups. Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28 is to go and make disciples, baptizing and teaching them. Many have responded to the call to go, some to very challenging places in very challenging circumstances. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Christ's love compels us. It is indeed the love of Christ that compels each of our missionaries to serve, to make disciples where God has called them. We have uh, never done this, but as I said earlier, it is part of the DNA of this church, the spiritual DNA of this church, that missionaries just keep being formed and sent from this congregation. And um, we have put flags all around the sanctuary representing uh, mission fields or actual uh, nationalities that attend this church. And so uh, if your flag's not up there, we apologize. We'll try to get that flag up there. But that's one thing we've done. The other thing that we'd like to do this morning is if you have engaged in missionary work, you know, for evangelism and discipleship, and you've done it for more than six months in another country besides this one, would you please stand right now? Wow. And when I point to you, will you just uh, uh, share uh, where, you, where you serve or served? Yes. Southern Germany and... In Bosnia, yes. Honduras, Central America, yes. Mexico. Nicaragua. Japan and India. Zambia and India. And Japan. <laughs> Haiti. Bruce. Oh, you're just standing, okay. <laughs> He's our neighbor. We're his mission field. Okay. <laughs> yes. Taiwan. Taiwan. Nicaragua. Nicaragua. That's amazing. That is amazing. And I don't want to leave out, if you are, if you are doing uh, full-time evangelism and missions work in the United States, if you are here, would you stand? There we go. <laughs> 
There we go. All right. Thank you, Idotris. And I'm sure some of the others like the stoles and stuff are in the other service, I hope. Um, so anyway, uh, through the years, uh, we could not possibly begin to count or remember how many missionaries this church has sent out. But uh, God has done it. No human being, no pastor, no committee can take credit for it. It is simply the work of the Holy Spirit that he has produced in this church for decades and decades, and we praise him for that privilege. The second aspect of God loving the world is seen in the life of Jesus. Jesus did more than preach and teach and save, although they were his priorities. Jesus touched the untouchable. He brought freedom to the oppressed. He fed the hungry, prioritized the poor, made broken bodies whole, broke the, the bondage of demonic evil. In Matthew 25, Jesus said the words that have changed the world, as well as John 3.16. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When we, did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus' love touches every aspect of human existence. Shining our light, Jesus taught, is doing good works like we just heard in Matthew 25 so men and women and children can see the heart of Christ in us. It is, in meeting, human, it is meeting human need. It is love in action. It is doing greater works than Jesus because Jesus' works are no longer limited to one person in one location. Christ's global love movement has created hospitals and orphanages and rescue missions and food banks. It has created untold 12-step groups to break addictions. It has created schools and hostels for the homeless or poor or those who lack access to education. God's love is spilling onto this planet in more ways than we can possibly know including making peace in a world torn apart in so many ways. Here are some of the stories, again, that Pastor Linda will present from this congregation. Daru and Joyce Vano are serving in Northeast India, using community health as a tool for helping people and for sharing the gospel. They share, in this part of the world, a doctor is always on duty in some way. There are curbside consulting everywhere the doctors go. A few years ago, we ran into a family who had given birth to a very sick child. 
The doctors in the government-run district hospital sent the baby home, saying that the family should take the baby home and let her die at home. So with heavy hearts, the family took her home. Fortunately, our family happened to visit them, and Dr. Joyce started managing the care of the baby. Thank God the baby survived, though somewhat handicapped, and now she is about 10 years old and is going to school. The family and those who knew of the event still refer to the girl as one whom Dr. Joyce brought back to life. The Venus have constructed a building where they will offer health trainings for pastors, students, and mothers. They further share, we conducted a training program specifically for the pastors. Seven pastors and some other helpers attended the program where we taught them first aid and about some sicknesses very common to this area. The pastors thoroughly enjoyed practicing and learning things like securing the scene of an emergency, checking airways, breathing, circulation, and doing CPR. They also enjoyed learning about immobilizing broken bones, learning the Heimlich maneuver, and learning to identify symptoms that relate to diseases. We also talked a lot about the relationship between physical sickness and spiritual sickness. And what was so rewarding to us is when, <clears throat> excuse me, we heard one pastor thank us and tell us how he had been asking our association leaders to conduct this type of training program. Physical healing isn't the only kind of healing work that needs workers. Julie Heisey, who's been in Rwanda with MCC since the end of August and who's working with the Friends Peace House there, shares, since being here in Rwanda, I have begun to see just how broken and complicated the healing following the 1994 Rwandan genocide is. The country has continued to grow economically and has taken incredible strides in rebuilding, but the cultural and emotional healing is much harder to gauge. There is only so much I can say, but I have seen brokenness affecting all the social cultural groups of Rwanda, and some are not given a place to voice their trauma. <clears throat> There has been a positive focus on unity and oneness as Rwandans, but this has in some ways taken away from dealing with the deep hurt that goes back decades long before the genocide against the Tutsis. In my work with the Friends Peace House, they're running some awesome programs that focus on healing across every social, cultural, and economic class. The Friends Peace House has stories of co-workers successfully completing mediation and working together in better unity. Stories of prisoners, sometimes those who committed the genocide, who have successfully returned home after completing their prison sentence to rebuild life in the community they've hurt. Stories of students who are now running their own business because of the vocational training that they receive at our center. She says, I've not interacted with many individual people from these stories, but I've seen the staff at Friends Peace House be so incredibly focused on improving programs to ensure that their work is the best it can be. They recognize that the healing of Rwanda is much, a much bigger issue than improving the country's economy. And I've seen their work helping to heal Rwanda group by group or person by person, the multiplication of God's work happening. And Zach Dalton is using his clinical psychology degrees at El Camino Academy in Colombia, providing support to young people who have emotional and behavioral issues and support to their teachers and families as well. The love of Jesus has hands and feet 
as Zach reaches out in his name. One of our other sisters is working in the field of community mental health in a Central Asian closed country. She primarily relates to women, many of whom suffer in a part of the world where there's much poverty, alcoholism, unemployment, and domestic abuse. As she teaches and trains them about mental health issues like mental illness, depression, postpartum depression, suicide, stress, etc., she also looks for opportunities to share the light of Christ with them. All over the world, people live in difficult and painful circumstances. Chris and Marla's book, who serve in Zambia at, at uh, the Malaria Research Trust there, um, shared a story about Bina Grace, one of the oldest members of the church in Macha, Zambia. Bina Grace's life journey was filled with challenges. After her husband walked out on her decades ago, leaving her alone to raise the family in a small one-roomed house, they carved out a meager living on just what could be grown in their small fields, supplemented with minimal assistance from the church and neighbors. Chris and Marlis have been moved many times by Bean and Grace's love for the Lord and abandon and worship. And let me just say, when I got to worship with them at Matcha, I actually got to sit beside this woman, Bean and Grace, in the worship service. Um, she was inspiring. In her abandoned worship, Chris described it this way. Sitting in the front row, she was obviously so moved by the spirit that she stood and lifted both hands in worship. Watching her moved me to tears. He said, I checked again. Yes, she was barefoot. Proof to me that one can be content, grateful, and a child of God with very few earthly possessions. So Chris shared a story about being a grace from several years ago. He said, yesterday afternoon, we were busy with preparation for our gathering when I heard a faint knock at the door. It was being a grace. She came in, we greeted each other, and then I picked up enough of her tonga to understand that she was very hungry, had not eaten for three days, and didn't know what to do. She is one person that we will never hesitate to assist. What little ways we can bless her will ne never outgive the blessing that she has been to us in her role as the unofficial worship leader at church. I had noticed that she seemed so weak that she could hardly make it up our porch steps when she came in. Makes me wonder how she made it walking barefoot the nearly two miles from her home in 90 plus degree temperatures. We gave her a cup of juice and a bun to eat while we put together a bunch of food for her to take home. I then took her home in the car, thanking the Lord the entire way for bringing this dear saint into our lives. Bina Grace was 91 years old when she passed away earlier this month. Chris wrote, this dear woman was laid to rest last Tuesday near her home. After the young men shoveled in the dusty red earth, covering her simple coffin, church women placed candles on her grave. Can you picture that? Candles on her grave. A simple tribute to the life of this saint of God whose light could not be dimmed by a difficult life. She was never known far beyond her matcha home and church but was no doubt welcomed into the heavenly realm with the words we all long to hear someday. Feeding hungry people, binding up the broken, meeting human needs. This is what Jesus calls us to do as we seek to proclaim the good news of his love.
I'll just add one or two more things. One is, again, I think we need to celebrate uh, when Pastor Linda was in Africa. There was a clinic that uh, was never able to be completed. It was in a r very rural spot in uh, Zambia. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. I just one of the Z's in Africa. Anyway, uh, uh, what uh, and it, the Lord put on Pastor Linda's heart that these folks need a clinic, and uh, through her, uh, this past year, enough funds were raised to complete the clinic in Africa, and so we praise God for that. And I, I uh, one other couple I'd like to mention are, are uh, Sally and Scott Harrison. Uh, Scott helped form Cure International, which was medical missionaries uh, to Africa. And uh, they built uh, 13 or 14, I can't remember, I think it's 14 hospitals in Africa. And during the time that uh, Scott and Sally were in charge of Cure International, they did surgery on 124,000 people in Africa, and 130,000 were won to the Lord through their ministry. I'm hoping they come to the second service. And <laughs> One of the things I would like to do, and again, we've never done that here today, is uh, if you have worked in a ministry of compassion, whether it's like at Paxton Ministry. You don't have to work now, but at some point, if you've ever worked in a ministry of compassion, like with Paxton or Christian Churches United or other compassion ministries, or, and I want to put it this way, if you are doing compassion ministry but in a secular context, but you're there as salt and light for Jesus Christ, would you stand? Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are we done? Okay. <laughs> we are done. I'd like the worship team to come forward and the intercessors to come forward. And while they're coming, I would like you to do one aspect of prayer silently. In your bulletin, are uh, lists of our missionaries. I want you to open that bulletin, and I want you to pick one missionary uh, couple or person, and I want you to silently, for a few minutes, whichever the way the Spirit leads you, I want you to pray for that missionary this morning. Would you do that? Would you bow your heads? Well, look at your bulletin first. <laughs> Bow your heads and look at your bulletin. And then please pray. We're going to take several minutes. Pick one and pray as the Spirit leads you.
Lord Jesus, we pray for all who serve in your name, both at home and abroad, across this globe. Lord, thank you for letting us be a part of your global kingdom-bringing love movement. Lord Jesus, bless every person on the, in the field that feels lonely right now. May they turn loneliness into solitude with you. Bless and protect every family that may be under some sort of danger. Put your angels around them. And bring fruit, Lord, real fruitfulness in your name. Let your kingdom come and your will be done through them. Bring many, many lives into the kingdom of God. We praise you, Lord, that you have decided to do what you do with this church, that you have brought up so many missionaries through this church and, 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 and people who serve in the kingdom. Bless, bless those who serve in your name, who love in your name, who give compassion in your name, who evangelize in your name, who discipleship in your name, give discipleship in your name. Lord Jesus, use them, use them, and bless them over and over so they may bless others over and over and create chain reactions that go out into the world. We thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that uh, this congregation has been privileged to be used by you in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like you to stand as we sing our final song. Again, the altar is open for prayer for anything, and, um, and then we'll be dismissed.
said, go. He said it to all of us, go. Go into your world this week, sharing that love that we've talked about. Go, give, pray, love. Go in his name, amen.